Welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Shell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. Acts chapter 13, Father, open the word to us and our hearts to your word. We love your word. We want to obey your word. We know it brings life and blessing whenever we obey. So come, Holy Spirit, and grace us to do so. Help me speak your word and not my own. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. It's only three verses today. Acts 1, uh, 13, verses 1 through 3. Barnabas and Saul, along with John Mark, have gone back up to Antioch. And, and right now, this is the turning point for the book of Acts, where we've seen the Jerusalem church, we've seen uh, the gospel go to, to the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but we haven't really seen the gospel go to the ends of the earth, as the Lord commanded. And now we're going to see that happen. At this point, these great missionary journeys begin, and the gospel is going to be carried when Paul's done, he says, I've carried, it as, I've carried it clear up to Yugoslavia. It's going to be carried all over the world, and we're seeing it begin right here. And here's how it starts. Now, there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers. Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord, would you say ministering to the Lord? Yeah, notice that phrase, and fasting. Why don't we say fasting? fasting? So they were ministering to the Lord, and they were fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. To call, the call to send missionaries came during a small gathering of church leaders. Five men, all of whom functioned as prophets and teachers, had set aside time to fast and worship. It appears the purpose for the meeting was to listen to the Lord. It also appears from the casual way Luke describes it that this sort of gathering was a normal part of life. He names the men. Now among the church in Antioch, there were both prophets and teachers, Barnabas Simeon, who was called Niger, I won't say much about this, but that man is probably Simon of Cyrene, who, who helped the Lord when he fell with a cross. Do you remember that? He, he became a Christian. His sons became Christians. Um, his wife is probably the woman that Paul says is, was a mother to me. I will go, go through it all. This, there's real family connection here. So Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius the Cyrenian, and also Menaean, the foster brother of Herod, the Tetrarch. That would be Herod Antipas. It means that this man grew up with him as a baby. He literally grew up in the household very, like, like, that, like a foster brother with Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas was the, was the Herod, the, the king, when Jesus was working in Sepphoris, when Jesus was growing up. This is the, the Herod. Uh, if you recall, Herod built a, a capital city just about three miles from Nazareth. This is where Jesus worked. He had to have. This is where work was. 
So he and Joseph would take their lunch buckets and walk about three miles across down the hills. You can see the trails practically to this day, walking over to where Sepphoris is. And Jesus had an influence there. I mean, you, you have Herod's um, financial officer. His wife becomes a, a disciple who actually traveled uh, with, the, with the women who accompanied him. There's a woman by name Susanna. There's, there's others. Jesus won some of these high-level people. And here's Menaean. Undoubtedly, he'd seen the Lord. Uh, here's Menaean, the foster brother of, of Herod and Saul. And then Luke tells us what happened. And while ministering to the Lord and fasting... The Holy Spirit said, set apart to me now, and that's the way it reads, set apart to me now Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Finally, he tells how they responded. Then having fasted and prayed to prepare themselves and having laid hands on them, they released them. Once again, these early believers are teaching us how to live out our faith. In this case, they show us how to wait on the Lord and receive his guidance. Luke lists who gathered, describes how they listened, and even reports how they responded. No subject is more important to a true believer. Our softened hearts long to do his will, and at, but at times we struggle to know his will. That's why Luke's picture of what took place in Antioch is such a gift to us. He's given us a model of how the early church listened to God. Now, have you ever seen anybody do this? So simple, so straightforward. Picture it now. I, don't, I, I would suppose we're in some room. They might have gathered outside, but they're in some room for a prolonged period of time. There are five of them, that's all. There are five of them, and all of them are prophets and teachers. I'll explain more about that in a minute. What it means is they're spiritually mature. They're able to hear. When it says they minister to the Lord, what does that mean? They worshipped. Yeah, the, the, the Greek word, uh, it means it's, it's, we get our word liturgy from it. It's what the priests did in the temple. They ministered in worship unto the Lord. So there they are ministering, worshiping him, and fasting, you'll notice. So they're not, they're not, they're, they're not eating. They're set this time apart, and it seems to be a very open-ended thing. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Lord spoke. Have you ever been part of something like that? Where, where a group of people, would, in seeking the will of the Lord, would fast and worship and just wait and see what God says. So simple, isn't it? There's nothing complicated here. I've never hardly seen this done. Have you? Let, let me tell you what I think. I think that if we do what they did, we'll get what they got. See, that's my theology. Is it yours? I believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think he does today what he does then. I think the power and the grace on us is the same today as it was then. Do you believe that? They didn't earn anything. They listened. They learned how to listen. This is a model for us, brothers and sisters. I'm I, the more we go through the book of Acts, the more it challenges us, doesn't it? It's downright prophetic. It's in our face. We look at our, our forefathers and mothers and go, we don't do that. We don't do that either. We don't do that. Huh. Wonder why. What we're doing is getting back to real Christianity. Admiration or imitation. There is no ignoring the fact that this was an elite group of people. 
Only five men were gathered in that room, not an enormous crowd. And each of them was spiritually mature. They knew the word of God and could teach it. And they were prophets and could speak out his word spontaneously. They knew how to function intuitively to discern between the voice of the spirit and false voices. But we mustn't let these facts about them discourage us. We mustn't set them on a pedestal assuming that they were functioning at a level we can't. Yes, they may have been farther along in their spiritual development than we, but they were not doing something we cannot do. Somebody say something. That's what I wanted. Yes, right there. The truth is they were doing something we must learn to do. Admiring them is of little value. They were great Christians. Yet if all we do is admire them, this passage is drained of its transformative power. We must also hear their call to imitate them. We must see them as our teachers, not just our heroes. Do you understand where I'm going with this? It's easy to put people on a pedestal, say, weren't they great? Look at what they did. Oh, wasn't the early church wonderful? Yay. What good is that? Unless we learn from them. But if we have an idea that they're cut out of different stuff, they're different people, that was a different time. Back then it was all fresh and everything worked back then. If you have that attitude, this is of no value whatsoever. But if we learn to imitate them, ah, now it's prophetic. Now it has its impact. We're watching people do something we can do because we have the same grace on our lives that was so powerfully at work in theirs. Please say amen. Before we go any further with this discussion, we need to be firmly grounded in an important truth. The cross of Jesus Christ brings every believer into the new covenant. During the last supper, Jesus held up the cup and said, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. In other words, his death on the cross would bring us the promised new covenant. This is our covenant. Listen to the promise. Read it with me, would you? This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it. And they shall not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Do you see it? If you're in the new covenant, God will come and he will write his law on your heart. You are not functioning under the old covenant anymore that's gone for us we function under a new one our sins are washed away therefore God has come to dwell inside us and every one of us from the least youngest least educated least trained whatever you want to go with that to the greatest the oldest the most mature the most knowledgeable whatever it is every one of us will know the Lord no one will have to say know the Lord for we will all know him why? He's inside us. He's inside us. You follow that so far? All right. The moment we become a Christian and receive the Holy Spirit, a new capacity is awakened in us. We can know the Lord. We can talk with him. And we can hear his voice. Every single one of us. Yet this capacity can go undeveloped. 
It can be neglected, in which case a believer tends to find guidance for their life by using the same process of rational deduction an unbeliever might use. Now, rational deduction, that is evaluating the options and trying to make the best possible choice, isn't wrong. It can be done within the boundaries of biblical principles and produce some good decisions. But as we watch these leaders in Antioch, that's not the process they're using, is it? They're waiting and listening for prophetic guidance. They were deeply aware of biblical principles and would have tested every prophetic word against those principles. But they were seeking God's guidance by listening, not by reasoning. Look, there's nothing wrong with using your deductive reasoning. Haven't we all read the books on how to get God's guidance? I mean, have you? If you haven't, I'll tell you. Uh, the one I remember is the one with the harbor lights. And, and, and uh, we have, there's three harbor lights. And you want to get those harbor lights lined up. And when they're lined up, you know you're on the track to go into the harbor. Uh, the first harbor light is, is what scriptures say. The second harbor light is our circumstances available to you. And the third harbor light is what are your friends and, 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 and people who know the Lord confirm. So you got to get those harbor lights lined up. I mean... I, I have so done this. I mean, up on the mountain with a yellow pad. You know, God, well, here's my, and I put the pros on one side. Here's the, here's the good parts. And I put the cons on the other side. Here's what would be wrong about this. And I'm looking it over, thinking through my options. Come on, how many? Isn't that the natural way? Don't we naturally, I mean, instinctively lean on our own understanding we, even when we're trying to do God's will not, I mean we're not talking about doing bad things we're not talking about plan a, a bank robbery we're, we're talking about doing good things following his will but we're using what our own reasoning and logic there's a place for it but what I'm pointing out today is the early church used a great deal of prophetic leadership you're going to see it all through the book all through this, boy, as Paul gets going, you're going to see prophetic leadership, God speaking, not reasoning, not rationalizing, not getting a map out and saying, well, where's the greatest density of population? You're going to watch the Spirit tell them where to, where to go and what's the next step. Look, here's, here's the deal. When you can reason your way to, some, to, to pretty much the right conclusion, very often something's missing. Faith. I know what I should do. I'm just scared spitless to do it. Huh? But when God speaks it to you, when the heart has actually heard from him, and you know it, faith is alive and it's automatic. It's effortless. I'm thinking right now of a, of a, of a, of a woman who was struggling to find guidance for her life. And there was, this, there was an uncertainty and, and a sense of confusion, a, a great desire to do God's will. None of that's wrong. But confused, not knowing what it is. And uh, finally, she went on one of, one of our silent prayer retreats. You may not be aware, but we have these quarterly, I think it is. We have silent prayer retreats, and we, we go down to a, it's not a monastery. What do you call that thing? A priory? A, yeah, convent. Uh, we've, we have space there, and we will rent. 50 acres of, of land, and they've got, each person has their own room. 
We do have pastors there. We, we will coach you a little bit, but it's pretty much our, our goal is to simply leave you alone with God for the weekend. You get on Friday, you come home after lunch on, on Sunday, and you have that time. You, you're, you're, you can even eat in a, in a talking dining room or a non-talking dining room, depending on if you can stand it, you know, uh, one way or the other. And uh, so we, the, all of that is provided for you. But the point is to simply put you with God. How often do we go for years asking great questions? Why, did, why won't God speak to me? Why won't he show me? I want to do his will. And yet we don't stop to listen. You know, where is our major prayer times? I'll mention one of them. That's in the car. The other one I won't mention. But let's be honest. Come on. I'm not trying to be disgusting. I'm just saying, isn't that where a lot of prayer gets done? Is there something missing? Here you have men and women, or well, in this case it's men, but it would have been women too, fasting, praying, listening, worshiping, waiting on God, knowing they want the prophetic word. Do we do that? And then in the middle of our world, our media now has absolutely seized our brains. So, so, so we are constantly being inter- interacted and interrupted. The idea of having a quiet time where you actually settle down and could hear is something we're missing in our lives. Here's the point. When this, when, this, when this woman went on this silent prayer retreat, God spoke. I mean, he, once things quieted down, God all of a sudden begins to, to say here and here and here and here and begin to speak things. Her comment was, I wish I, never, I, wish I didn't have to come home. What was the difference? Now, this same woman has a faith, has, an, has, a, has a commitment, has a firmness to what she does. She knows why she's doing it. She's moving it. She has faith. It's, it makes the, a world of difference. Knowing the right thing is one thing, but I, actually what God will often tell you to do, if the will of, you, you really look at the will of God, it's impossible. And if you're using your brains, you'll not figure that out. Can't be done. And it can't. Unless there's a miracle. God works in these terms. It isn't a straight line from here to there. You can't figure your way out. What he's going to ask of you can't be done. Israel can't take the promised land. There's giants and high-walled cities and greater armies than theirs. They can't do this. It's not possible. Unless God goes before you and you follow him and do what you tell. And then, of course, it is possible. And that's the nature of your life, too. You following this? Hearing from God is absolutely an essential ingredient in our lives. If you want to get to the will of God, if you want to move in the will of God, you must hear from him, not just figure it out. You must hear. Faith will arise in you, and you are a different person. Every one of us, same, we're all wired the same. Prophets and prophecy. Because of the new covenant, a Christian doesn't become a prophet by hearing, and by having, this is really important. Let me read it again. Because of the new covenant, a Christian doesn't become a prophet by having an unusual capacity. 
but by developing their capacity and having integrity. All of us can prophesy. Do you agree? But for us to listen to someone as a prophet means we trust them enough to accept God's word spoken through him or her. I want you to see this. Every one of us should be growing into prophets. You say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, aren't there different gifts? There are different ways he uses us in different situations, but I'm going to tell you something. Every one of us, do you know that the Bible says we should all become teachers? Did you know that? I give you the reference there. As you grow in Christ, as you grow in the word of God, of course you should be teaching the word of God. Of course you should. And of course you should be moving in the prophetic. Of course you should. Every one of us, men and women, we should be growing into prophets. So being a prophet isn't unique in the Christian body. See how different this is from the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, this was not, the new covenant was not there. The indwelling of the Spirit was not universal in God's people. It was not the same way at all. So you would have individuals who would rise up and they would speak God's word. Based on, by the way, the old covenant of curses and blessings. That's why they get warned about these horrible things. Curses are going to happen to you if you violate the covenant. Blessings will come to you if you obey the covenant. That was the, their spokesman for the covenant. You cannot mimic the Old Testament prophet in the new. You don't bring that into the church, for we are all prophets if we're healthy. It's a different world you live in than they lived in. All of us can prophesy, but for us to listen to someone as a prophet means we, we must trust them enough to accept God's words spoken through him or her. We must be convinced that you are able to discern the Spirit's voice and separate it from the voice of your own flesh. We must see in you a humility that refuses to speak your own word and will quickly correct yourself if necessary. What sets a person apart as, a, as someone, a prophetic voice that we listen to is their character. Do, are they trustworthy? I mean, how, how much we all know how easy it is to slip into the flesh. To be speaking the word of the Lord or to go say, God told me to tell you this. And what I'm really doing is using God to tell you what I've been wanting to say all along. You tick me off and I want to tell you that. And uh, so thus saith the Lord, you tick me off. <laughs> Come on, haven't you had that? I mean, if you haven't, I'm going to send some of them to you. <laughs> I'm not joking, man. I've been toasted about four times in the last two months. Oh, and, and I'm, I'm, it's okay. I'm happy to have it. <laughs> yeah. But you, you don't listen to everybody by any means. You, are, you do not accept everybody. Thus saith the Lord. If you do, you're in trouble. We'll ruin you. Give us a, give us a few months and we'll fix you. So you do not listen to everybody that poses themselves as a prophet. Doesn't mean that they, I mean, as a Christian, every Christian can prophesy, but every Christian doesn't have character because they've chosen not to, Okay. They've not chosen to discipline themselves, to humble themselves. They're not willing to correct themselves. They have all kinds of drives and needs and ambitions that are, are motivating this thing. So you have to be very, very careful. Our relationship to a prophet is, a, is very similar to the unspoken contract between a pastor and a congregation. Each person is asking, if, 
If I listen to you, pastor, and believe what you teach, will I go to heaven? There are so many voices. How do I know yours is true? Do Do you really know God? In other words, do I trust and respect you enough to follow you? On a personal note, this is why I teach through the Bible, forcing myself to discover the meaning of a passage after passage. passage. I want to speak his word, not my own. I, too, want to hear his truth, his wisdom, and not mine. Look, this is when, when, when in the years when I suddenly realized I was indeed going to be a pastor in spite of myself. It was scary. I actually had people following. And I thought, oh my goodness. If I'm wrong, we're all going to hell. <laughs> it really, I mean, think about it. If we believed, if you, if you taught us, and we believed what you taught us, and you were wrong. Whoa, the responsibility for that. And so it was scary to me. And... and and the way I have handled it is to say, I don't know. I don't have wisdom. I don't have anything for us. But if I will teach as exactly as I know how what it says here, then if we all end up in trouble, it's his fault. <laughs> I can live with that. You, you follow? Yes. I'm not the authority. I don't know how to go to heaven. I don't know the ways. Neither do you. There is only one source. You do not want to follow the wisdom of men. You do not. They will use you. They will tell you what you want to hear and they'll take an offering. You do not. You do not want to follow men. This is your soul at stake. This isn't like what style do you like. This is your soul. The moment comes when you breathe your last breath. You better be right. You better be right. And heaven help me if I've misled you. Better for a millstone to have been put around my neck and I died early than I had done that to someone, says the Lord. Our relationship, oh, I said that. All believers should be maturing into prophets, just as all should become teachers. But some don't because they refuse to be disciplined by God or humble their flesh mind. The unhealthy tenor of their lives and their immature character disqualify them. But this doesn't mean the potential isn't there. It just means that there are matters of the heart that have to be dealt with first. Having the capacity to prophesy is not enough. We must desire to grow in that ability. Paul tells us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. But especially that you may prophesy. Says it to all of us. So how do I learn to listen? Where do I begin? Look, one thing you just cannot have is this attitude of this prophet, prophetic thing. It's for spiritual people. Gentlemen, this is not for, 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 for women. Uh, let them do that stuff. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, I'm going to be a man. And I'm gonna re- don't do that. <laughs> women, don't you dare say, well, that's, that's, that's men. You men, you, 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 you. I'm just a little woman. What do I know? I've heard of both. This is, this is for, a, if you're in Christ, Christ's in you. And if Christ's in you, 
He will speak, he will guide, and you will become a prophet. The only thing that will hold you back is if you refuse to mature in your character. You will speak the word of the Lord. You will hear the word of the Lord. What did we pray for those little sweethearts just now? Their eyes would be open to see the things of God. Their ears would hear the voice of the Lord. Uh, We expect that to be answered. We expect that to be answered. Here is a suggestion. How would I start? Let's say, okay, pastor, I get it. But where do I start safely? I don't want to stand on a street corner in a sandwich board and just start railing on folks. Please don't. We've had that too, but don't. Number one, here's what I would suggest. Begin each day by drawing close to God. This is going to sound so rudimentary, but it's very prophetic. Read a chapter in the Bible and then look back over what you've read to see which verse or verses especially speaks to you. Write that verse down in a journal and then write out one spiritual truth you see there. Then write out how that truth applies to you now. And finally, write out a prayer that asks for God to help you obey. What, what, what did I just describe? OSL. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't. We're going to start it in September. The key about OSL is it teaches you to start your day with God in a sweet communion. And when you turn the radio on, you open your heart and begin to listen then you can begin walking through the, in the spirit through the day. Now, what are you doing? I, what was my chapter today was the last chapter in Joshua. All right, so I'm, I'm reading that. And then I, then I just, I, as I look over it, I say, Holy Spirit, there's a lot of good things here, but what are you speaking to me today? What are you speaking to me today? And I pick a verse. I see a verse. Oh, yeah, that's the one. And what am I watching? I'm watching my heart. It's not a rational thing. There's a lot of truth that is good there. I could take it with the brain and say, that's true. I know that truth. But I'm watching for the heart. You follow? I'm, I'm feeling it if, it, if you want to say that. What are you speaking to me? Oh, that one is the challenge to me today. That's what God is encouraging or correcting. That's where, that's where he's speaking to me today. What am I doing? I'm listening prophetically. Nothing's more prophetic, by the way, than the word of God. Nothing's more prophetic than the word of God. All of it. So I'm listening for the word of God to be spoken to me. Then I'm interacting. I'm writing it down. I'm declaring. Here's what I heard. Then I'm applying it. Here's what it looks like. Here's what he's saying to me now to do. What is this? Prophecy. You you may not know it, but downstairs there's a room. It's an art room. If you've been down there, you've seen it. You may wonder what it, what, what is that for? It's, it's, there's a hard, clean floor, there's a deep sink, there's a washer and a dryer, and there's these, these hooks on the wall with these little smocks. Now, we haven't used it to, to speak of. Uh, but I want you to know something. When we, when we built that whole building, I claimed that room, and I arranged privately to have funding to, 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 to furnish it. Why would I do that? Because I like art? One is I grew up with an art teacher. My mom was an art teacher, and I get it. Here's what I longed for. I longed for our children. And by the way, we're going forward with this right now. It's in conversation. I longed for our children to be able to go down, like every, to put different classes down there, put those little smocks on them. We'll give you fair warning. 
when they're going to have it so they don't have to wear something that's going to get ruined. But we'll put those little smocks on them and let the children, watch this, begin to, to color outside the lines. <laughs> let the children begin to take finger paint or whatever and, and, and express their heart. Why? Because I want them to listen to the intuitive. I want them to listen to the heart. I want them capable of stepping outside the rational, the, 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 just the cognitive of their brain, and express their heart. Why? So they learn how to do that with Jesus. So they know how to listen to the Holy Spirit. You follow this? There's a deep spiritual purpose. I never built that room. For adults. I don't mind them using it. That's for our children. That's because our kids, we want, we want them growing up, moving, listening to the Spirit, knowing how to do this thing. Not all knotted up. But free to express and listen to their hearts. I would suggest in your morning time as you prepare, you're drawing close to the Lord, sing out loud a, a, a worship song or a hymn. I, I did today. Uh, you, you just lift your voice, sing it out loud. Pick a key verse of scripture to mem- key verses of scripture to memorize, but also include some longer passages, not just isolated verses. One of the main ways the Holy Spirit will prof- prophesy through you is by bringing scripture to mind. If there's none in there, how are we going to do that? It doesn't matter whether you like to memorize. So what? You do. You put. You hide the word in your heart. You say, "I'm too old." Tell me about it. And I'm doing it. And I'm memorizing. Right now, I've got Proverbs chapter 3. I've got Romans. uh, I'm going through the whole chapter 8. I've got Psalm 2, Psalm 1, Psalm 8. And I'll I'll just stand before the Lord and I'll recite these things. As well as the, the single verses. But don't just pick a little handful of kind of key single verses. Get some word in you. And then watch in those moments. I'll share an example in a minute. Watch in those moments when you're waiting on God, how he will touch one of those verses and speak to you afresh through it. It's very, very much part of the prophecy, the prophetic process. Write down your prayer requests, what you, what you do need from God. To, what do you need from God for today? Include everything practical and spiritual. So you're, you're beginning to lift the needs before the Lord. Include the needs of others that God has asked you to pray for. I would suggest that you severely limit the amount of time, at least for seasons, that you listen to or watch media. We need to silence the world's voices. I, I won't rail on that. I don't need to, do I? I mean, you, you, we all feel it. We all feel it. Me too. I'm, I'm in, by the way. I've, I drank the Kool-Aid, as Frank would say. <laughs> He's doing well, by the way, on his surgery. During the day, remind yourself to listen to the Spirit, not just your mind, in whatever situation you are. So about about to pick up the telephone. About to answer something. Father, be with me. Hello? Did you see that? I didn't just pick up the phone and lean into the own understanding. and say, Lord, I need you. Hello? About to step into a meeting. Lord, I'm, I, I just open my ears, I open my eyes, soften my heart, I choose not to be in the flesh. I'm going to follow you, Lord. Here we go. Walk in the meeting. That's all it took. You just reorient. You just reorient right through the day. Get on the freeway, the guy cuts you off. Thank you, Lord. I'm looking at you, Jesus, right now. Not in the flesh. 
in the spirit. You do this right through the day. This is called walking in the spirit. Our foundation in the word. Any person is vulnerable to deception without a good knowledge of the Bible. This is the infallible standard against which every word is tested. You, you, you believe that, don't you? If we don't know the Bible, we have only our own reason with which to test a prophetic word, and our natural mind is not enough. When I was struggling to discern God's will in a matter recently, he told me to think less, listen more. Would you say that? Think less, listen more. And when I stopped and listened, the Holy Spirit reminded me of a verse I had memorized. It was Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And as I quoted these verses out loud, and let's, let's just do it. Let me, let me just replay this a second. So I'm sitting in my prayer chair. How holy can you get? <laughs> and I'm sitting in my chair, and I'm trying to figure out for God how we're going to handle this. I mean well. I'm trying to do God's will with my rational mind for all I'm worth. I'm worrying. And then I'm, what are we going to do? This is familiar, right? And in the middle of this, well-intended worrying, God stops me and he says, think less. What was it? Listen more. Think less, listen more, I think. Okay. So I stopped thinking and I started to listen. <laughs> Nothing. And then, then into that silence came Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your make your requests known to God and as i as that one went by that phrase make your requests known to God i saw it in my mind's eye i could see it on the page and it was in it was emboldened just like bold type make your requests known to God and it just kept make your requests known to God okay so Oh, I'll read it here. Make your request known to God. It appeared in bold type in my mind. Then he said, worry less, ask more. Say that. Instead of worrying, I was to restate my concerns as requests. In this way, he reoriented me from trying to figure out what to do to reflecting on what I specifically needed him to do. And then I asked out loud for each thing I needed. And as I did, a peace that passes all understanding came. And after that, as the days passed, progressed, I get, God gave me everything I asked for. Here's how it, 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 he said, stop worrying, ask. Okay. So I said, Lord, I need this and I need this. And I need you to do this, and I need this. And I spoke it out, and I just said, here's what I need from you. And as I did it, the Lord says, ask me. I'm going to give you everything you ask for. It was like, can you do that? And I, I mean, how, do you trust me? <laughs> I mean, he, he did trust me. 
He said, ask me, I'm going to give you everything you ask for. What do you need? Notice, how, notice where the trust is, the change here. I figure it out. I ask him. Two very different orientations to the problem. Do you see it? And he's moving me into the prophetic. He's moving me into the spirit to listen. So I'm, Lord, I need this and I need this. I'm beginning, I'm acting. Everything I asked for, he did. Every single thing's already been done. It's amazing. What if, what if we learn to distinguish between our thinking and God's voice? What if we learned how to listen for God's guidance together? To gather with mature, trusted prophets and teachers. In other words, men and women you, that, that, are, that are, are Christians and full of the Holy Spirit. And that you trust their character to not try to control you or steer you or do something weird. But that they, that they would speak the, the truth. What if we learn to minister to the Lord? Worship and to fast. To silence the flesh and draw near and listen. What if we learn to test what we hear, submitting it to Scripture and to the counsel of others who are listening with us? Not just going and asking people's opinions, but you've gathered with somebody and together you've listened. Very different process. And we open to one another's counsel. What if we learn to obey quickly, even if what God instructs is very costly? What if we learn to lay hands on people and stand with them in prayer and then as they step out in faith? And then to keep praying for them until the mission is finished. The answer is, we'd be following the example of the Antioch church. But more importantly, we would receive God's guidance for our lives as clearly as they did. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will speak today as clearly as he did then. We just have to learn to listen. Would you stand with me? Blessed be the Lord. Do you see their prophetic example to us? Do you believe it? Let me ask this question. How many right now, you've got some serious questions and issues that you need, you need God's guidance on? Look at that. All right, now put it down. How many of you know, men, or women, men and women, who are mature Christians, they can hear God. And you would trust them to not speak of the flesh or to correct themselves quickly if they did, to join you and to listen with you. How many know such people? Look at that. We've got all the ingredients. We've got all the ingredients that Antioch had. The only difference is five of those got together and ministered to the Lord and fasted and waited on the Lord and let him speak. We can do that too, can't we? We can do that too. And he will speak to us. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. There is a key to every lock. I don't care what problem you're facing. I don't care how hard it is, how tough it is, how impossible it is. There is a key to every lock. But only God knows the key. You won't figure it out. He must show you. It is by revelation. This is the New Testament church. This is the New Testament life. We begin to walk in miracle. We begin to walk in miracle because God begins to speak to us. 
And as he does, fill us with faith. And as we walk in faith, the miracles and the, the walls come down, the obstacles are removed, the situations change, and things that couldn't have been done are done. Do you hear me? You and I learning to allow the prophetic, coveting spiritual gifts, longing to listen accurately, responsibly to the voice of the Lord and obeying him is the key. Would you bow your heads? Just one moment, I want to ask us a question. All of this is conditioned upon the new covenant. Jesus took a cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. All of it is because of Jesus Christ. I want to ask this right now. Somebody here may say, boy, do I need God to guide me that, like that. Boy, do I need that. If that's possible for me, I want that. I need him. The obstacles in front of me are mountains. I'm, I, I need him and I want him. It will, it will depend on this. You're giving your heart and mind to Jesus Christ. You're saying you're my Savior, you're my Lord. You're, you, you must repent and you must believe. And if you will do that, he will fill you with his Holy Spirit. And then this entire capacity, this potential opens up. Anyone today, I just felt like I should give the opportunity. It just says, Pastor, I'm confessing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior right now. I'm making that decision. And if, that, if you're here, we're going to just pray together as a congregation. We'll just pray the prayer and let you receive him uh, as we all pray it together. Anyone want to raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just do your mighty work. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Yes, I see a hand. Praise God. Anyone else? Yes, praise the Lord. This isn't a game right now. I'm not tagging something on. I'm, sure, I'm sorry I'm short of time, but I'm asking you a very important question. Are you ready to say yes to Jesus? Are you ready to surrender to him as your Lord? Because these realities all are conditioned by that. That has to come first. Anyone else? You want to say yes? Yes, praise God. Hallelujah. I'm glad I stopped. Blessed be the Lord. Last call. You just say, I'm going to pray with you, Pastor. When you pray right now, I'm praying it and I mean it. This is my moment. Yes, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All right, church, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving me. You've seen my rebellion. You've seen my flesh. You've seen my foolishness. And yet you kept loving me. I know you've been pursuing me. I've felt your love in spite of myself. This day, this is my day. I choose Jesus Christ. I choose him as my savior. By faith, I put my arms around his cross. I cling to his cross. And I will the rest of my life. He died for my sins. He paid my price. He rescued me by his death on the cross. He rose from the dead to defeat death. And I believe in him with all my heart.
I will to the last breath in my body. Jesus Christ, you are my Savior. Jesus Christ, you are my Lord. You bought me with a price. You've given me eternity. So I give you the rest of the days on this planet. I belong to you. I bow my knee. I put my hand in yours. I will follow, serve, and live for you. Not for myself. The rest of my life. This is my commitment. This is my choice. This is the decision of my heart. This day, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord. Now, I'd like you, and everybody's invited, particularly those of you who raised your hand and are just praying this, and, and, and would you put your hand on your heart? I, I said it in the sermon. When you're part of the new covenant, the promise to you, absolutely promised to you, is that the Holy Spirit, very Spirit of God, will come not just upon you, but he will come and live within you. And we're taking that seriously. And, but there's a reception in that. There's a receiving. There's a softness on your part that says, Holy Spirit, come. I welcome you to dwell within my very my body, my very being, to come and dwell within me. So if your hand's there on your, your heart, let's pray this. Dear Holy Spirit, you are my promise. You are my precious gift. Because of the new covenant, you are given to me without measure. I receive you, Spirit of God. Come inside. May I be your living tabernacle. Dwell within me. Join yourself to my spirit. Never leave me for all eternity. By you, may Jesus Christ dwell within me. By you, may my heavenly Father dwell within me. Be my guide, my protection, my wisdom, my strength. I can do nothing of myself. But because you dwell within me, I can do all things, all things, everything. You're my strength and my wisdom forever. Never leave me for all eternity. I receive you in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.